This is your storyteller. Today is my final episode of The Life of Sweet Isabel. Episode number 31. And this episode is titled Death Play Nice, You Hear? The death of my mother. She fought a real good fight with colors, whites, and those that were part Indians. She fought even with herself and a lot with that old redhead devil. But she stayed in the fight and saw it to its end. She finished her course, and man, did she finish strong. It took faith to see it to its end. She kept her faith, and now it was over. She knew that she could not go another round, so over meant over, and finished meant finished. There was nothing left undone. She gave the community all that she had. She gave her children all that she had. And let me just back up a little bit and tell you a little bit about what happened with her prior to all of this. Through no desire of her own, When her breast had already sagged from nursing her own five children and her knees were in pain from working in the fields and bumping her own five babies on her knees, in her old age, she was given a granddaughter to raise, to do it all over again at an old age. Lord God, She said, you are so funny. Lord, your ways are past finding out for real. At my age, you give me a child to raise. And she has a crazy name like Sweet Isabel. Who the devil in Sam Hill would give a child a name like that? But even in her old age, she took on the task and did, in fact, raise an unusual, different child, unlike any that she had ever seen. But she adapted in her old age. She prayed, she cussed, she whipped, and she laughed out loud, really loud. (laughs) And she poured all of her essence into me. And most of all, she introduced me to her God and made him so approachable that I wanted him. And guess what? I got him. The very first time I heard her sing and chant Amazing Grace on the backside of our field, I was on my porch and I could hear her voice. Chills went all the way through me. 
I desired to sing like her. And I did. Singing and chanting is when you sing a verse and then talk a verse. So it was like sing, talk, sing, talk. She sang Amazing Grace. I wish I could do it the way she did now, but I don't have the voice. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I'll never forget how she sang it. When I left the care and the nurture of my Madea to go to my father's house, her final work was finished. I was complete, and she was complete. What more was there for her to do except go home to get her crown? None of us on planet Earth could give her what she really deserved. She would have to go to the master himself to be crowned in the way befitting of a great woman, a true matriarch without a patriarch. She was tired. I knew that she was tired, but it was good tired because she had finished her course. My mother lived to be a few days till her ninth, her 90th birthday. Death, you see, poses no horrific threat to me. I see it as an exit route between earth and heaven. Unless I'm caught up in the rapture, death will be the vehicle that ushers me to the place where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what he said. I believed him when I read it with understanding and when I finally fell in love with him for real. I took that verse to mean that he had a better place hand-picked for me, a place far better than this place here on earth. You see, knowing that I had a place waiting for me made living so much more bearable and tolerable for me. And besides, from a child, I always wanted to see his face, his actual face. So I live in anticipation of our great meeting. I view earth as my workplace, but heaven is my home. That was how my mother was. It was her time to go home. She had finished her work in her workplace. And now she was ready to go to the place that was prepared for her. I would like to give you a little background of my acquaintance with the dead. I was well acquainted with stories about death and haints. If you're not from the South, you may not understand this word, haints. Most of us children were. 
Hates were so-called dead people coming back walking through the house or seen walking through the graveyard. The graveyard for us was right beside the church. And on a rainy, stormy night, the lights in the church would flicker off and on. And everyone claimed to have seen someone they knew walking or standing up in the graveyard. Of course, these sightings did not sit well for the faint-hearted, of which I was the main one. Even though my mother always said, little girl, when you're dead, you're done. Well, at that time, it didn't help. I still thought I was seeing people. And of course, my sister didn't help because our house was so big and there were so many corners and places to hide. She was always claiming she saw someone staring at us. I could not reconcile my love for going to funerals with my fear of the same people coming back and lurking around my house. I guess some things are irreconcilable, I guess, maybe at that age. Due to the fact that we didn't have ready access to funeral homes and hearse, a.k.a. ambulances, the dead person was cleaned up, dressed up real pretty, and laid straight out in their bed for people to come by and see. They laid in wait until a hearse finally came and got the body. When we finally did get a Negro-owned hearse, the driver was always racing against the white funeral home to get to the body. Oftentimes, the white funeral home driver would run the Negro hearse off into the ditch to get to the body first. It was always a race. We were so glad to finally have a black hearse that the people would place bets as to who would get to the body first. Some people placed bets. Others just simply prayed that the Negro-owned hearse would arrive safely and that he and the dead body would not end up in the ditch. My my, my dear would laugh so hard, she said, well, if they ain't dead, they're going to be good and dead by the time they get to the funeral home. Well, it would be a couple of days before we got worried that the body arrived safely to the funeral home. And sometimes the body would be so banged up that we often didn't recognize the person that was in the casket. People would say things like, they sure don't look like themselves. And many would even wonder whether or not it was really their loved one or someone else. The light-skinned people looked dark, And the dark-skinned people look blue or purple. (laughs) Because I was a lover of going to funerals, my mother always had two questions for me when I got home. Did the family take it hard, Booth, she would say. And did the dead person look like themselves? Most of the time, they didn't look like themselves. It was many years before the Negro funeral home perfected the art of of the use of cosmetics on the dead. A good night of fun was always someone telling stories of different haints that they saw.
yeah it was it was scary but it was also fun the scarier the better some were better at telling hank stories than others they would say look behind you and you'll see them they're standing right there watching you and without fail we all thought we saw the hank most of us peed our pants then and peed some more running home looking back thinking that they were seeing the hate. <laughs> I'm sure that if I told hate stories to young children today, I would probably be locked up and charged with some form of child mental abuse. And for sure the children would have to undergo many, many years of trauma therapy. So you see, I was well acquainted with death from a child. But my very personal acquaintance with death was when little man died in the fire at four years old. He loved rocking, and he would rock really, really fast. So his father made him a little rocker and painted his name on it. Little man's rocker, it said. His mother left little man rocking in his rocker as she went out to draw water from the well, as she did every day. On that particular day, it took her longer than usual to prime the pump. As she was down the hill, priming, praying, and pumping, priming, praying, and pumping, little man was rocking himself to sleep, nice and fast, in front of the warm, inviting fireplace just rocking and sucking his little thumb. Little man, without knowledge or ability to stop himself, fell out of his little rocker into the open, blazing fireplace. By the time his mother reached the porch, she smelled an unfamiliar smell from the house. She ran in to see her only child's charred body dead in the fireplace. With her apron, she pulled his body out, but he was gone. Little man was gone. Death took our little man in such a gruesome, mean way. Little man's father could not console his mother. No one could. She never stopped screaming. She would just randomly scream to the top of her lungs. The funeral could not go on because of her screaming. I mean, she really took it hard. It was only a matter of days before she was taken to the crazy house. And within a few months, she too died. I'm told that she died with her mouth wide open in the attempt at screaming. They said that she had lost her voice. But she was still trying to scream. I remember saying to my mother dear that death did not play fair. She said, baby, not in this case. Certainly not in this case. Growing up in my home in my hometown those days. 
We were such a close-knit community, and many of the people were already old. So you see, I saw death and dying up close and personal. So yes, death and I were well acquainted. Sometimes me and death were good together, and sometimes we were not. My school friend Madeline was born with an enlarged heart, which rendered her unable to run and play like the other children. Any hard playing would cause her heart to beat too fast. So her mother kept her sitting quietly most of the time, sitting on her porch just watching the other children play. My mother said that Madeline's mother was going to kill the poor child with her own fears. Mother said, Madeline can't even pass a fart without her mother being scared that it was too much on her heart. I think she was right. Her mother was way too afraid. Well, one night, unbeknownst to her mother, Madeline died in her sleep. We were all 11 years old. I was so happy that death had behaved and had done right by Madeline. And so I say now to death again, you behave yourself with my dear, you hear? Play nice. When I heard that my dear was sickened to death, I left my family and went to be with her. I wanted to be there when she took her last sweet breath. Upon arriving at her house, I could see that my mother had lost a lot of weight. She looked very frail and small, but kind of cute. She almost looked like a nice, sweet little lady. (laughs) I smiled at the thought of her being a nice, sweet little lady. You see, I was so used to her being the hooking cow. Now, what you need to know is, she just looked like a sweet little lady. But the hooking cow spirit was still in her. And that was what I wanted to see. She wasn't sick, sick, just old. She had used those body parts up until they just couldn't do anymore. I did not let her know that I was coming. But when she laid her eyes on me, she said, Boot, gal, what you doing here? I said to her, Daddy told me, my dear, and I wanted to be here with you. She said, You wanted to be here to see me die, didn't you? I said, I just wanted to be here with you, my dear. That first night... I slept in the bed with her the same way I did when I was young. And when I couldn't hear her breathing, because her breathing was so shallow, I would raise up and look over at her. And without even looking at me, she would say in her weak voice, Gal, go to sleep. I ain't dead yet. Go to sleep. I would hum and pray like I did when I was young until I knew for sure that she was good in sleep. 
After about two weeks, she said to me, don't you have a family? I said, yes, ma'am. Well, you need to go home and tend to your family. I don't know what day the Lord is going to take me home. So you need to go home. She said to me quietly, death ain't no pretty thing. And I don't want you to see it on me. I want you just to remember me the way you choose to. So get your things and go home. She said, I do have a few things I want you to remember. You may not remember everything that was taught to you, but there are some things I want you to hold on to. Remember now, when I die, I ain't coming back. I promise you that I won't be roaming around the house. There's no such thing as Hank's. I know y'all told Hank stories and people laughed and joked about it and people got scared, but there's no such thing as Hank's. And besides, who would want to come back here? So don't be looking for me. You have me in your heart always. That's how you hold on to me. In your heart, baby. I won't be coming back. Remember, when you're dead, you're done. She continued on with her words of wisdom for me to live by. She said, God didn't make a mistake when he put you, when he put you a little mother, put you with your little mother, your daddy, Auntie Becky, and me. He didn't make a mistake. Each one of us played a major part in making you who you are today. And you remember all of us. Keep all of us in your heart. Your little mother, your daddy, Auntie Becky, and me. We were the players in your life. Baby girl, don't fear no man. Man is only dust. And man will go the same way that I will go in a few days. Let no man have the rule over you ever. Be he white, red, or yellow, he is just that, only dust. You are free, baby. Stay free. Stay free the balance of your days. You hear me? I hear you, my dear, I said. Now, remember, you have land that is yours, bought and paid for by my own sweat. If you or your children are ever running from the law, you come home to your land. Build on it and live on it. Don't spend every dime you make. Save your money. You've been a saver all of your life. I taught you how to save money. Have your own money. Don't ever be beholden to anyone. One of the things that I love about you, little girl, you love God than you love God way more than most of us. Don't stop loving him. 
I don't know any children that love the Lord and talk about the Lord more than you do. Don't know many grown-ups that do it. But don't ever stop loving the Lord. And don't let your husband saddle you with a baby every year. It will wear your body down and put you into bad health. Give him three, then stop. Yes, ma'am, my dear. Little girl, little girl, you got your sweetness from your little mother. I didn't have that to give to you. But I showed you how to stand through the storm. So it's up to you to mix the two together and be a great woman. She made you sweet. I made you strong. Will you remember how to mix sweet and strong together? Yes, ma'am. I'll remember. Now listen, girl, she said. Because you are so sweet like your little mother, people are going to try to take advantage of you. But you better let my spirit stand up in you so that you can live and not die. Don't be no fool for people. She said, Crazy Miss Ida May said you were going to write stories. Well, you write about your mud dear. Tell your children and your children's children about me. Write about your life on this land. And let your children and your children's children know where, you, where they came from. Tell them all about Sweet Isabel, you hear? I know I'm saying a lot. But I want you to hold on to all of this. When you hear that I close my eyes for the last time, you better not come down here trying to fall over into the grave. Go on and cry, but keep on living. You got a lot of living to do. Hmm. Well... We had some good times, and we had some bad times. But we had the times that were meant just for us, just for me and you. I smiled, and I interrupted her. I said, my dear, you mean you don't want me to take it hard? She threw her head back laughing so hard. She said, you better not. And then I said to her, are you going to look like yourself in the casket? She fell out laughing so hard. <laughs> she said, girl, we got some good educated undertakers now. All the way from Birmingham. They do good work. They do. Then she said, no, don't take it hard. Cry. But keep on living. Keep on living. Finish your course. The same way that I did. I let her get back to her words of wisdom. She said, I want you to read that book of Ecclesiastes. 
the one about the seasons, a time to live and a time to die. Well, it's my time to die. I'm ready to go. I've been here a long, long, long time. Baby, do you remember that speech about dressing? Do you remember it? I said, yes, ma'am. Let me hear you. Let me hear you recite that speech about dressing. I always like that speech. I said, you ready, my dear? She said, I'm ready. Are you ready? (laughs) I laughed. I said, I'm ready, my dear. She said, then go ahead. I said, dressing. It's not so much in the way you look. It's just the way you act. You may be pretty as a picture and be educated in books. But if you have ugly ways, it will surely spoil your looks. Sweet Isabel, she said, mind your ways, sweet baby. Don't ever have ugly ways, you hear? I hear you, my dear. She said, sing me one last song. I hummed and sang, it's the Lord's blessing that we now enjoy. It's the Lord's blessing that we now enjoy. It's the Lord's blessing that we now enjoy. If the Lord don't help me, don't know where I'd be. That was a slow version. Then I began to sing the the fast version. The Lord is blessing me right now, oh, right now. I said, the Lord is blessing me right now, oh, right now. I said, come on, my dear. Come on, sing and dance with me. So I sang it real fast. I began to clap my hands and stomp my feet at the same time. The Lord is blessing me right now, oh, right now. The Lord is blessing me right now, oh, right now. She loved it. She loved it. She said, girl, where you learn them moves like that? I said, from the sanctified church, my dear. <laughs> She said, thank you, sweet Isabel. Thank you so much. I love you. I said, I love you too, my dear. She was out of breath, so I let her sit down. She said, now remember, when you're dead, you're done. Ain't coming back to haunt you. Do you remember when Preacher was dying? How he had you to keep his eyes on that spider until it fell to the floor? I said, yes, ma'am, I remember. She said, well, he did that because he didn't want you to see death on him. I don't want you to see death on me. 
That's why I want you to go home. Death ain't pretty, baby. Death ain't pretty at all. She reached under her mattress and gave me a big yellow envelope all taped up with my name and a date on it. And it said, open on this date. The date was a month after she died. And in the envelope was money. Lots and lots of money. I kissed her all over her face and on her lips. I kissed her hair that still hung down her back. That way of kissing was what I call sweet kisses. Because it allowed me to feel the full goodness of her and allow her to feel the full goodness of me. I let my tears mingle in with hers. Then I wiped them away. She said, go now. Go, 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 go. Don't look back, she said. I kissed her one last time. And I didn't look back. Two weeks later, she died. I didn't take it hard. And the undertaker did her justice. She looked very small, but very pretty. She did look like herself. My father dressed her in a dress that they chose together. My eyes, however, focused in on her hands, so small and thin. I kept staring at her hands. Those hands could slap my face so fast and hard. And yet, here they were in death, thin, frail, and harmless. I said to myself, that's what death does, huh? I wanted to kiss her again, but I had already felt the warmth of her body when she lived, and that would sustain me. I just looked up toward heaven and blew her a kiss. See you again. Not anytime soon, but one day. I'll see you again. Girl, get in here and stop that talking. You run that mouth of yours just like a bell clapper. I know. I can't stop talking, my dear. One day, I'm going to be a storyteller. You'll see. I told you a story, my dear. I did. And people loved hearing about you. I think I told it quite well. Here I am, my dear. Here I come. One day. I am the storyteller.